This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We are in Psalm 82 and uh, I don't have a lot of time for pleasantries this morning because uh, well, although Psalm 82 is a very short Psalm, it's not the, not by no means the shortest Psalm, one of the shortest Psalms in, in the book of Psalms, but it is a short one in that it's only eight verses. It has been the source of much angst and spiritual uh, discussion over the years. And, and it is in all actuality, something that has brought about some, something, a passage that has been used, especially the first a uh, few verses has been used to 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 foster some heretical teachings, some heresies, and as we go, as we start out with it, in all actuality, I think verses three through eight have some great significance for us and are verses that need to be memorized. Some of them, but and not that you don't need to memorize all the Bible, but some of these verses have some very pointed understandings for believers and for God's people. That being said, they, they contextualize the first two verses, but like I said, many of the, many of the heresies that have come out of this psalm have, have, have been based on the first two verses. And so it seems like the verses three through eight, three through eight get obscured and oftentimes missed. And in all actuality, they give us great instruction as to our purpose and our ministry in the world. And so um, it says God stands in the congregation of the mighty. And what that means is standing, you're, you do work and you have power and authority. When a king stood, it meant that he was going into action and he was, he was asserting his power and his authority. And he had the right to stand or sit on his own. Anybody who came into his presence only could stand in his presence because he allowed it and could only sit in his presence because he told them to sit in his presence. And when we come to this passage, it says God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the God, the gods. So here we go. And and, and this is some of this has been the this has been the, the source of some of the angst. In fact, in verse six he says, I see, I said you're you are gods, and all of you are children of the most high. You but you shall die like men and fall of the princes. And the re- you say, why did you jump from verse one to verse six? I jumped from verse one to verse six because that's what the, the that's what the those who would, would have gone astray theologically on this. We need to understand: does does the Bible teach that there are other gods? It does, but not in the sense of God Himself is infinitely more and greater and more powerful than any other being anywhere at any time, any place, all right? Now, having said that, 
the Bible clearly indicates that there are beings that that would be considered by fleshly creatures on the earth as gods, okay? We need to figure out who that is. In fact, even in the uh, uh, Ten Commandments, he said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, if there weren't something out there that we might consider as a god, he's not talking about idols because he, he has a whole nother commandment that deals with making graven images and things like that. He says, he says that you should have no other gods before him. And in fact, if you do a search throughout scripture, dozens of times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, other gods are mentioned. And who are those? The best way for me to explain it or describe it is in Daniel, Daniel struggles with a prince or a god of Persia for 21 days, and God sent someone to contend with that angel and to be the protector of Daniel in the midst of that struggle. And he sends, he sends the archangel Michael to protect and to defend David in the midst of that struggle. And, and so who, who is it that David is struggling against, this prince of Persia or this god of Persia? that David is struggling against. Obviously, once you bring Michael onto the scene and then you realize that Michael contended with Lucifer over Moses' body, this other angel or this other being, this other God in Persia is a fallen angel. It's another, fall, it's a, it's another fallen angel other than Lucifer. And we know that uh, as we've been studying through the book of the Revelation, that Lucifer is the great dragon uh, of old, and he, with his tail, flung down a third of the stars of heaven or a third of the angels of heaven. And so the angelic host is actually in creation, and that angelic host are eternal or spirit beings, and they exist in the world. And to us, who are limited by flesh, or to all the fleshly creatures, they would be as gods, they, they would be. And in the sense of the spiritual, they are the sons of God, just like we are. Now, <clears throat> the reason I bring all that up is even Jesus deals with it. When Jesus is confronted about claiming to be the son of God, he uses this passage. It's in John chapter 10, and he uses this very psalm to explain that he that we all have some see and when you use the word god that's where the problem comes in when you elohim is the word that is being used in the psalms here but the problem is if i say that you are a little god you think i'm just uh, a little bit less than the big god i'm like you know, i think of the movie twins where it had arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito and and so Schwarzenegger was the big guy, Danny DeVito was the small guy, but really they were twins, so they were the same, so they were, Danny was just a minor version or the worst version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is not what that's talking about. Satan is so far in, inferior, so infinitely inferior to God that to, to ascribe to him any of the traits of God is foolish. And the Mormon faith teaches that we're all gods and that one those who correctly adhere to their faith will one day rule the world themselves and populate that world with spirit beings because they'll reproduce spirit beings. Some of the word of faith teachers in the charismatic movement teach that we're little gods in that we're just right under 
we're right under God and, and that and and because Jesus became a man and took on the form of a man and has made us in his likeness that somehow that somehow we've attained almost to the full power of God and that's just it's an overemphasis of man which is one of the desires of, of humanity is to to we we worship and I've said this many times before and I'll say it many times again because it needs to be understood we desire to worship either one of three things. We either worship created beings, and that's why God says that you should have no other gods before me. Fallen angels, we worship We worship things that we have, we've made idols of ourselves. We either worship created things, we, we, or we worship human beings. And the, the primary human being that uh, is worshiped in the world is oneself. And so we want to worship ourselves. And so that would naturally tend to, we. if I want to worship me, then I definitely want me to be just right under God so that I'm not missing out on worshiping something that's powerful and great. Or we worship the one true God. And let me read to you. They're, they're trying to stone Jesus. It says, then the Jews took up stones against to stone him, verse 31. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from the Father. For which of those works do you stone me? Many mighty works, many powerful works from the Father. Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy and because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them, it is not written in you, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. And he's talking about Psalm 82. Uh, he's referring to that. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken, meaning if he called them gods, do you say of him whom the father sanctify and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. All right. So he uses the word to show them that God said that we are little gods, but what does little mean? Little does not mean anywhere close to being God. What it does mean is that we are spiritual beings, that we do have the capability and even we are given by God eternal life and eternal life is defined as the life that God lives. So we are eternal spiritual beings and we're not just limited beings by flesh, which is very important, but it's not, but it does not make like the most high God. It does not make us able to ascend like Lucifer wanted to and be as God is. We are not as he is. We are in his image and likeness. We are not him and nor are we ever going to be even close. And the truth is we will spend eternity learning to know him and never, ever fully completely know him. That is how much more and immense he is than we are. But that being said, God's word tells us that we are spiritual beings. Now, we're not spiritual beings like the angels because the angels do not have the image of God. We do. What, what makes us very unique creatures, very wonderfully made unique creatures, is that we are spiritual. We have eternal life. We have the power of God dwelling in us. And yet we're broken and fallen. And, and ultimately, that's what this psalm deals with. This psalm deals with our brokenness and our fallenness, our unique place where we're made lower than the angels, as the Bible says, but we're set above them. How can we be, how can we be made in our, 
in, 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 in our likeness, how can we be made lower than the angels, but placed above? That's what makes us these wonderfully unique creatures that the angels even marvel over and watch to see, to understand God, because we're unique. He, he says, how long will you judge unjustly? Notice we're little gods in the sense that we have, we're spiritual and eternal, and we have the power, we have the ability for the very power of God to reside in us. And yet we judge unjustly. How is that? He says, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Notice we're, we're this wonderful creature made uh, in the likeness of God. And yet we continue to turn and show partiality to the wicked. That reveals that the heart of man is utterly wicked. We are replete with wickedness. We're, t- we, we're, we're totally depraved beings. He says, he said, now notice in our weakness and in our um, fallenness, he tells us what our ministry is, why we are made the way we are, lower than the angels, set above them, spiritual beings with the eternal life, the power of God residing in us. We're made to show an aspect of God's character that that is wonderful, that God can take that which is wicked and make it holy that which is broken and fix it, that which is dead and make it alive. And we are the creature that reveals that aspect of God's nature. And so he says, quit quit chasing after the wicked and placing them in high positions. He says, quit doing that. Defend the poor and the fatherless. So these creatures that are able to be so wonderful, so much in the likeness of God to literally walk in his character and his likeness and his nature. We as these creatures, we're poor, we're fatherless. We, we turn to other gods. We're in a fallen state and that's a spiritual fatherlessness and a physical fatherlessness. We don't, we, we're not like God in that we take care of our children. In fact, we have to force many fathers to take care of children. I always love it when I run across a father who actually wants to take care of his children. He says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Who are the afflicted and the needy? These creatures that are made in the image of God and yet are broken and fallen. He says, our ministry to to show that aspect of God's grace and mercy, our ministry, who we were made to be is somebody who can help the fatherless, help the poor, uh, help the afflicted, help the needy, deliver. In fact, he says, delivering the poor and the needy Free them from the hand of the wicked. We're able to, we're, we have the power to deliver them from not only their own wickedness, but we have the power to deliver them from these gods, which were our fallen angels who are the powers of this, of this dark age that we live in. We have the power to deliver them from those creatures, which does make us, as he says in verse six, Little gods, not God, not even close to God, not even not even in the neighborhood of God, but able to literally be his image and likeness, operate in his power and do the work that God does, which is in our context, delivering the poor and the needy the fatherless and the widow, the pain-stricken from this wicked, dying world and this wicked, dying spiritual regime 
that controls the earth until Jesus comes back and sets it. In this psalm, he is literally, the psalm in its context, and that's why reading scripture in its context and understanding scripture in its context is so important because he points to, even though he says we're little gods or the sons of God, and we are, we're, we call ourselves the children of God, sons of God, co-heirs with Christ. We give us, ourselves all these titles that place us in our minds a little bit on par with God, but we're not on par with God in the sense of his immense enormity, is the wonderfulness of who he is, but we are on par with God in the sense that he's given us the life that he lives. He put, places his eternal power in us. He, he, he brings about his perfect will and purpose. We are in his likeness and character. And when we walk in that purpose and when we walk in that power, so we're below the angels in, in our making and yet set above them because when we walk in that power, there's no other creature that's like us. We're broken and fallen yet full of grace and mercy and power of God to change everything and to be like our to be like the one who is who came down and took our form also and that is Jesus. And so we see he says they do not know nor do they understand. They walk in darkness. Who? The people who are captive to the wicked. The the those fallen angels, those those gods, those spirit beings that uh, are in the earth and 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 we war against. We war not against flesh and blood. That's what New Testament teaches is that we war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of this dark age. Who are, what's a power? What's a principality? What's a ruler? Those ranks are angels. Those are angelic hosts that rule this dark age and our battle is with them. And we have a battle with them that we can win. We can win, but we win it spiritually because we, like I said, made lower, set above because we walk in his grace and mercy, because we are made in his image because he's made us co-heirs with Christ in his kingdom. And because of that, we are even above what, what what appear to be gods on the earth. We are, we're made above, we're set above them, not made above them, we're made lower than them, but set above them because we carry the grace and the mercy of God. And we're the only creature that can. And we can bring those who are in darkness out of darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable because of those of those uh, fallen angels who uh, right now are the power of the earth. But we were made to be above them, to have power over them. He said, I said, you are gods and all of you are children of the most high. Notice he says, I, I said, you are gods or little gods and all of you are children of the most high. And if you understand it in its right context and don't carry it to a place where it makes you want to worship yourself, then you begin to understand that we are doing the work of God, which how can a broken, lost, dead creature do the work of God? That's the amazing aspect of, it's just the wonder of God's grace and mercy. And we, we represent that. And so he says, but you shall die like me and fall like one of the princes. What he's saying is we're all eventually going to die. And we're, remember that word, like one of the princes. What is he talking about, these prince that rule? Well, the same prince that Daniel warred against, struggled against in Persia. And, and there's a prince over every part and aspect of this earth. And, and they have their own kingdoms and their own, they're the spiritual forces of this dark age. 
He says, even though you are all this, because I've made you all this, you are also going to die. And then I'm going to give you eternal life. He says, arise, O God, judge the earth. For you shall inherit all nations. And then the psalm ends with God, with the psalmist asking God to take his throne of full power and to take his control over all the nations. In all actuality, this is speaking to Jesus because his inheritance is to rule the nations because of the work he's done of giving his life and separating himself from his father and becoming sin and becoming wickedness himself and allowing the wrath of God to be poured out against that wickedness. And so in his inheritance is all of creation. His inheritance is all of the nations. His inheritance is to rule over everything that has breath in, in the universe, everything that has life in the universe. He rules over it. Why? Because, you know, as, as Philippians 2 tells us, he, 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 he was equal God. He was God. And then he humbled himself and became a man. Why? Because he want, God wanted to show that he could even take nothing, which is us, and make us into his image and likeness, place his power in us, give us eternal life, give us his very divine nature himself, and overcome darkness with us. And as long as you're not trying to make yourself into this psalm has some great significance and great teaching. But sadly, for those who are try for those who try to seek out to make themselves something uh, more than they are, and why do I need to make myself something more than I are? I am. Isn't it wonderful to be a broken, falling, dead creature who God has made above everything else except Himself? and given eternal life and eternal power and, and all the goodness of him, isn't it better to be that than try to make myself a God myself out of my own power, which is nothing, and, and worship myself? Well, yeah, it's way better to do that. It's way better to do that. But sadly, man either worships the created beings, the created creation, or he tries to worship some other man or himself, or by God's grace and mercy, God reveals himself to us and we can learn and know how to worship the one true God who is the Elohim, the one God, the God that made all things. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.